This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Tailgate. Shane Norman and Tyler Atkins. Shane and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Good morning and welcome on in to Chicago's College Tailgate presented by Twin Peaks. Tyler Anki, Shane Norling talking college football with you every single Saturday until 11 a.m. right here on ESPN 1000. And week three getting set for its full slate today. And it's weird because once you get into week three, like week one and week zero, everything feels new. Week two still has the shine on it. But week three, you're in the thick of things now. We've got power five games across the board. We've got conference games today. Lots to get to. But we start with the Alabama Crimson Tide fresh off of their loss to Texas. And they are making a quarterback change. They're going to opt to go to Tyler Buckner against South Florida today as opposed to to Jalen Milrow, who started the first two games of the season for the Crimson Tide. And boy, I don't agree with this decision one bit. This is a panic move from Alabama, from Nick Saban. This is an odd timing as well. But they're going to roll with the Notre Dame transfer to pair up with his old OC and Tommy Reese to go out there against South Florida today. I'm probably going to regret this. I'm going to question Nick Saban's decision making. I, I think this is nuts. This came across yesterday, and immediately I sent it to you. And I was like, this is where we have to start because, I, Tyler, I think I'm ready to bury Alabama. Like, you're no longer the grand poobah in the SEC. That's Georgia. They have taken your lunch, and they are now king. Like, Bama, you lose to Texas at home, and already the red flags are going up. But then you bench your starting quarterback for Tyler Buckner. Tyler, if the leash was this short for Milrow, why wasn't Buckner the starter? That's exactly what I was going to say. You go fetch his offensive coordinator from Notre Dame. You let the offensive coordinator bring the quarterback, and then you don't start him. But the leash is so short on Milrow that two weeks in, we're moving on. Tyler Buckner, you know what it tells me? Neither of these kids can play. They both stink. Well, not just that, but you've got a five-star sophomore, too. Ty Simpson, who's third on the depth chart here. How far behind is he? Like, for him not to be ready to to take over the spotlight or, or do something against South Florida, how unconfident are you in him? as well like there is a lot of questions down in Tuscaloosa right now and I, I'm right there with you that was the exactly what I, what I was going to say is why would you not have started with Buckner let him be the one to fail and then go back to Jalen Milrow who you've already seen in some action for you from the year prior I, just, I don't understand how the leash was this short that one loss this one bad game again and he played great in the opener granted Middle mm-hmm. Tennessee State but he he played as well as you could have asked him to in the opener. This one bad game about te- against Texas, and suddenly we're, we're switching quarterbacks, it tells me neither of them can play. You brought up Ty Simpson. Uh, apparently he can't play if he can't get into worked into this rotation. Look, man, I look at Alabama, and I said all preseason, uh, this felt like a team, it's not going to be like five and seven bad, but this feels like four losses might be coming because they just haven't addressed needs. And across the board, skill positions, they aren't what they've been for years. The quarterback position, isn't. It, it, we're back to the Greg McElroy days. We're back to the A.J. McCarron mm-hmm. days where you've got a guy who's just kind of serviceable and apparently maybe not even that. The defensive side of the ball, there's no Brian Branch in this secondary. This secondary's terrible. Like, Tyler, am I crazy if I go, 
Alabama, the, the fun run might be over. The Saban dominance, that period where, in like 15 years, you could ink them into a national title game, done. Goodbye. It's over. Well, forget national title game. Like, what's their playoff outlook moving forward? Like, you brought up Georgia now, the class of the SEC. Guess who's not far behind them? LSU. LSU is right there. And I know LSU, they lost the first game of the year against Florida State, but they're right there. And if you look at what Brian Kelly is doing. Now, here's where I sit long term with Alabama. I My radar is up. I'm not burying them. I don't think this is the end of Saban. I think... Once all the NIL stuff starts to normalize a little bit and settles and everyone kind of has their their sea legs back underneath them here, Alabama is going to get back in front because ultimately they have one of the largest funnels of money for all of these kids, whereas some of these programs, that well is going to run dry at a certain point. I don't think it ever will run dry at Alabama, especially with Nick Saban at the helm. But that's I think Nick Saban is where I really start to question this because he didn't sign up for this. Like, he didn't sign up to go be knocking on doors and shaking hands and doing the NIL and all that stuff. So do you think he's going to Roy Williams it, uh, Coach K, and, and just get out of here? Maybe. Like, I feel like, dude, he's old, one. Like, I feel like he's close to the end anyways. And now you're at a point where we've watched this team and this program get worse each of the last three seasons. Last year was bad by their standards, losing two games. This year, you start the season one and one, and there are not a ton of auto wins left on this schedule. Like, I think we have the alarms going off in Tuscaloosa, and it's probably at a point where, look, Saban didn't sign up to do this whole, I got to go talk to boosters, shake hands, get the NIL, fundraise, all that stuff. Saban wants to coach football. And it's it becomes much more difficult to do that. We're seeing it at Clemson when you've got guys like Deion Sanders coming in and owning NIL, owning the transfer portal, getting involved, building teams. You've got Brian Kelly at LSU getting into those types of things. Georgia, boy, they'll tell you they run their program dirty. I, I mean, they're coming out with the everybody in our program speeds and drives recklessly, and there were reports that it's covering other stuff. Like, Georgia's not hiding that their program runs dirty, but they win. And it just, Alabama doesn't feel like they're going to do that. I think that when you look at the recruiting rankings, too, from the last... Certainly not with Saban. I should say, like, if you go replace this with a younger, more forward-thinking guy who wants to embrace this type of thing, you're right. The pool at Alabama is massive. You, mm-hmm. There's no reason not to get into yeah. it. But just with Saban, I don't think he's signed up to be a part of this environment. I will say this. You look at the last decade worth of recruiting rankings. It's been dominated by Alabama as the number one rated program, according to 24-7 Sports. That's my preferred uh, recruiting site of, of choice. But you look at the last couple of years, and Georgia has stuck their nose in there and, and has won out in some of them. Texas A&M had the top recruiting class in 2022. So you look at the last five years and Bama, the first five years of the decade, it went Bama, 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 Bama as the number one recruiting class. But you look at the last five years. Last year was A&M. The year before that was Bama, but the year before that was Georgia. Bama, Georgia. So you're seeing some of these other schools in the SEC 
start to pop up with some of these higher finishes. And Bama's missing out on the quarterback, whether it be in the transfer portal or whether it be in recruiting. They're missing out on some of these skilled receivers and and running backs. They don't have a Najee Harris. They don't have a Derrick Henry. They don't have a Julio Jones or Devontae Smith on this team. They don't. They don't have the weapons that they once had. And I think you're starting to see it play out now when it's all coming to a boil. You didn't hit the transfer portal to get some of the the top-rated guys. You didn't go out and and get the stud receiver that's going to be a bona fide first-round pick. And you don't have the quarterback. And it certainly doesn't help when you lose the number two and three or the number one and three picks in this past year's draft at two of the most important positions on the football field, the quarterback and the edge rusher. Yeah, like you brought up the transfer portal. I just out of curiosity went to the transfer rankings. Where do you think Bama lands outside the top 50 for last season? I would have guessed like outside the top 20 because you figured the just the 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 curly A would would draw enough people to at least want to transfer in, but they're 53rd. They took 5 kids. It's you can't just, win. You cannot Saban win. Doesn't, that's the, like in a recruiting, an overhaul sport like football. You cannot win bringing in five guys. It's bad enough when Georgia's got the number one recruiting class and Florida is out in front of you and you've got Tennessee on your heels and you've got some of these teams catching up in recruiting. It's disaster when you're taking five kids in the transfer portal. Like, th- dude, maybe I'm overreacting to one loss, but when you lose at home, to Texas, and not just you lose at home to Texas, but you kind of get run off the field in your own building. In the fourth quarter, that's where you should be closing these games. You had a lead in the third, and then you just let it slip through your fingers down the stretch. I I think we're done with the whole Saban and Bama deal. I think they've lost their grip. It was a death grip on the SEC. I think it's gone. You look at the recruiting, we brought it up. You're not recruiting at a level that nobody can keep up with, and you just aren't taking transfers. In fairness, they are number two in all those off years. They're number two, so they're still on the podium, which is important. Um, But you look at, like, I don't, like, I'm I'm starting to get a little bit concerned, but I'm not not hitting the panic button quite yet. But you just, like, outside the top 50 in transfers is unacceptable. The the transfer thing is worrisome. Like, listen to the the rankings in the transfer portal. You've got LSU second, Ole Miss third, Auburn fifth. They're in your division. You can't be getting outpaced by three schools in your division that historically you beat up on. In your state, too. Seriously, Auburn? Auburn's fifth in the transfer portal, and you're fifty third. They just they aren't running the program in a way that I think's modern, and I think it's starting to show on the field. We saw it last year the red flags were all there. That's a that's a team with a Heisman quarterback. The red flags were all there, and the best defensive player in the sport. They too. almost lost at Texas to Hudson F and Card, and then they run out this secondary that I was told would be way better this season. And Quinn Ewers is dropping dimes. The safeties can't keep up with anyone. Like, it just, I, again, I don't want to overreact, but I think this Bama Saban deal, respect to Adam Abdallah, it's over. It, it, it was a nice run. It was a good 20 years. It was span. a nice run. <laughs> it, was probably the, it was probably the greatest run in the history it is of sports. It was the nicest run, yeah. But I do Since, I, like, Freaking like John Wooden. Unless Saban is going to turn into the suddenly transfer portal guy, I I think we're done. I'm not going to rule out Alabama. I'm not going to count out Alabama moving forward because I think Saban is going to see it. All right. He can't be this oblivious. You can't have that much success for as long as they've had 
and not see this and not be able to adapt. Like, it's not like he's he just got here because he was a great football coach. No, you are a great leader. You're a great recruiter. Transfer portal is, is recruiting. It's just a different angle of recruiting. And, like, recruiting classes sort of set the, the floor, but transfer portals set ceilings for a lot of these programs. And right now, this team doesn't have a high ceiling because, of, like, the floor is high at Alabama. The floor will always be 8-9 wins at yeah. Alabama just based off of who they bring in from a recruiting standpoint. But the transfer portal is where, especially after you lose a, a quarterback who had a little bit of tenure, the transfer portal is where you go out and, and make your hay and get those quick patches. Like, how did this program not be in the, the sweepstakes for DJU? How is this program not trying to pry Drake May away? What about Bo Nix getting him back into the state of Alabama? Like, how were they not the aggressors in trying to poach some of these guys? Well, and again, it's everybody can pay players now. I mean, for DJU, like, you can go to Oregon State and you can still make the money. Like, everybody's involved in that side of the pool. A great point in the Twitch chat, West Coast Bias. Two and his family were relocated from Hawaii to Tuscaloosa. Now everyone can play players. Now everybody can do that. Like, that has changed the game. Sam Hartman goes to Notre Dame. How is Sam Hartman not the quarterback at Alabama? Yeah. How are you not? Like, he went from Wake. Now, maybe he just wanted to be at Notre Dame because the the, the Joe Montana vibe, you get to be the quarterback of the Fighting Irish, all this big stuff. And he wants to be in a pro-style offense. He wants to prove he can go pro. Feel like you can prove you can go pro at Alabama, yeah. even if they're running more of a spread. Look at, look at the last few quarterbacks that have run through there. They've all been top 15, 20 picks in the NFL. Heisman winners. Yeah. And, and like Hurts, Hertz, Tua, Tua, Matt, Jones, Matt Jones, all guys who are having success in the NFL level. Maybe not Matt Jones. But he was good in week one. You get my point. Like, right. They've they, all been top 15, 16 picks. How are we resting with Tyler Buckner and Jalen Milrow? Like when your big transfer fetch is the bad quarterback who was attached to the bad offensive coordinator that you hired from Notre Dame, mm-hmm. I, I'm out. Dude, Tommy Reese, I haven't talked about that enough in this That's, little yeah. conversation. Tommy Reese sucked at Notre Dame. Where's the Bill O'Brien? He failed upwards. This isn't the way that this program used to be run. You go get Lane Kiffin fresh off a firing and throw him in there. You go get Bill O'Brien from the NFL and throw him in there. Tommy Reese. Bama's not doing things the way that they used to, is my point. And I'm very curious if Saban's going to be able to get it back. Are you ready to bury Alabama? Shea is. I'm still on the fence. I'm not burying Alabama quite yet. But I'm trending towards uh, uh, starting to get there if they don't start to figure things out in the transfer portal. 312-332-3776. When we come back, oh, we've got a showdown in Boulder between the coaches. We'll discuss when we come back. Dion and Jay Norvell going at it. This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Now back to the show. Sh- sh- Chicago's College Tailgate has it all with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Oh. Chicago's College Tailgate presented by Twin Peaks. Tyler Rocky, Shay Norling talking college football with you every Saturday, leading you into kickoff at 11 a.m. And boy, we've got a, a good one tonight, or at least a, a juicy one tonight. The point spread wouldn't tell you it's a good one, but the drama 
of it all. The drama that comes everywhere with Deion Sanders and the hype of every game that Deion is in has been one of the captivating storylines of college football here in 2023. But Dion has now found a way to make two games of with a point spread north of 20 interesting. And the latest one being this upcoming game against Colorado State as Colorado game day is there today. But Colorado and Colorado State all got off to a nice start thanks to the beef instigated by Colorado State head coach Jay Norvell. You know, we're excited. Our kids are really, you know, we had to do a bunch of ESPN videos, and it was great. I loved it. And and uh, But our kids came out of those videos really with a chip on their shoulder. They're tired of all that stuff. They really are tired of it. And I sat down with ESPN today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off and I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught me. So, you know, they're not going to like us no matter what we say or do. It doesn't matter, okay? So let's go up there and play. And so I... That's just how I feel about it. Yeah. And so I don't mean to take over the show, but I'm just tired of I mean, I'm tired of all that stuff. It's just it's it's and I know everybody else is too. How stupid can you be? How stupid can you be to make that comment poke the bear like that? Because, you know, this seemed like the overlook game. I'm not saying Colorado State was gonna win this game, because I, I didn't think so then and I don't think so now. But this was the game that Colorado sort of overlooks when you've got Pac-12 play on the horizon now. And you're a 20-plus point, you're a three-touchdown favorite in this game. Like, this is the game where Colorado State maybe gets a little bit of energy into the program because you hang close with Colorado. But then you do that, and now Colorado's all of a sudden charged up. What type of idiot? Like, here's the thing. And I'm extra angry because I, I had a Colorado State plus 23 and a half play before Jay Norvell decided he was going to run his mouth. If there's anybody in the country in college football that you don't attack, it's Deion Sanders. Deion has been public every game. He's finding ways to make things personal. We're going to make this personal. You want to hear him? And you go tag the bulletin board with, I, I take my sunglasses and my hat off. Yeah, let's play Dion. Yes, sir. I'm out of my own business watching some film, trying to get ready, trying to get out of here and be the best coach I could be. And I look up and I read some bull junk that Dan said about us. Talk to us. Once again. Uh, talk to us. Why would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody? All we do is go out here, work our butts off, and do our job on Saturday. But when they give us ammunition, they unmasked Brown and made it what? It was just going to be a good game. They unmasked Brown and made it personal. It was going to be a great test, a battle of Colorado, but they unmasked Brown and made it personal. They made it personal. I mean, you look at what, how can you poke the bear like that? And the best part about that, too, is that. That entire sequence felt choreographed, but you know it was improvised. Like the way that Dion just gets the troops ready, they're on the same page. They know when to jump in and say, personal. They know how, how to drop in all their little lines along the way. It felt choreographed, but you know it was improvised. He's the anti-PJ Fleck. Oh, my He's goodness, the, yes. Like PJ Fleck has to walk into a room. How you feel today? Elite. 
Like, you know that that's rehearsed. Mm-hmm. Dion just understands how to communicate with people. Mm-hmm. And I saw the quotes yesterday, and, like, I am buying into the Dion Sanders a little bit. Because the quotes yesterday when he was asked if he'd want to coach in the NFL, and he was like, I don't do well with rich athletes. Mm-hmm. I do well with young kids. Yes, who he's are 100% hungry, right. Who are hungry and who want to get to that level. And he wants to be the shepherd. And, like, that to me is awesome. He is – it feels like he might be the quintessential college coach. All-time yes. motivator. Gets guys ready to go. I still don't know, like, in-game. Cool is all hell. Like, <laughs> and just – Modern, like yes. embraces everything that's new and fresh and exciting about college football, embracing the conference realignment, embracing the NIL, embracing this, like don't run away from what other people are saying, run into it. It's very cool and it's very different. And then on the flip side, how stupid is Jay Norvell? Here's the thing about Dion too. If you think about what the future holds for him in recruiting, he's not just going to take a five-star to take a five-star. A lot of programs, I think, would take a five-star, especially of Colorado's magnitude, would take a five-star just to have a five-star in the program. If you don't fit his culture, you're not playing for him. He'd rather run into battle with a pack of three-stars and low four-star guys that fit his culture than take the the... 22 most talented players in America. To your point, they, they ranked number one in the transfer portal because they took 51 kids. Right. Only one of them was a five-star. I believe it's Shadur Sanders. and the uh, well, No, Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter, five-star. Mm-hmm. Four, five four-stars. 43 three-star kids. There you go. And like the, the number one ranking there, like volume matters when they do the, the transfer portal rankings. That's why they're number one, Correct. because it's literally over half their roster that they brought in through the transfer portal. So, of course, you're going to be number one in the transfer portal rankings. But he'd rather run to battle with a bunch of three stars than the mo- 22 most talented players in America, as long as they fit the culture. It's his guys. Yes. It's something I've always believed in, it, honestly, in like every walk of life. Ev- everything you do is easier and often better. If you're aligned with people who fit your vision, if everybody sees everything the same way, you will have success. And it feels like that's what Dion's building at Colorado a little bit is he's bringing in his kids. He's bringing in the, the kids who view this sport the same way he views this sport and who want to get on board with all the new things and have the fun and get edgy and like just go play football. And I think that's been super successful at Colorado so far. I don't know how sustainable it is this season because you got Oregon in a week. Best of luck. Like, you just you can't match the talent. We'll see what happens. Are, today, uh, dude, today I think they might 50-piece Colorado State. Right. Like, I, I was going to be on your side. And, again, this is, this is the most unanalytical breakdown you could get. But, like, I was going to be on your side. I was going to be on the Colorado State plus 24. Now it's personal. And now they're going to run the score up. Yeah, they, they're going to try to win this game by by forty points if they can. Like if it's forty four to ten, and they're there's, throwing, there's ten minutes left. It's going to be five wide sets, and they're throwing the ball with Shadur, and they just want to win. And like they don't want to. Sorry, they don't want to just win. They want to kill you because you. Jane Norvell went out. And, like, we know what it is. I take my hat and my sunglasses off. You broke the dog whistle out. You sat down and you got the dog whistle out. And that'll piss Dion off more than even just the comments. Is we all know the subtext of it. Mm -hmm. We all get what you're saying. You shouldn't have said it. 
It yeah. just, it, it, I, I, dude, I think they're going to get killed. It's one of the dumbest pregame coach comments. Like, week building up to a game, one of the dumbest pieces of bulletin board material. And this gets back to what we were saying last week out of the Nebraska game. Or we were saying it on the podcast, maybe. Out of the Nebraska game. How many dumb penalties do teams commit against Colorado yep. because they're just over-emotional about the game and they let it get into their heads? And he, this isn't a 15-yard penalty. This may be a 15-point penalty yeah. committed by Jay Norvell here. I mean, we he saw let it get to his head. Unsportsmanlikes, false starts, guys going crazy on the sideline, it, just taunting penalties. All sorts of dumb stuff Nebraska was doing in that first half when they were in it's the game. It's the Dion effect. And it felt like they were just too fired up. I will say, we've got game day on on the TVs, and I'm starting to swing back a little bit to Colorado State because these are some of the worst signs that I've ever seen in my life watching game day. These, you can tell the Colorado fan base is new to football because these signs suck. They're terrible. Taylor Swift has more trophies than Jay Norvell. What does that mean? It's... I'm looking at the just the crowd there too. What is that? A lot of adults. A lot of adults. Make it personal. <laughs> personal find find out. out with a graph. It's the We're F not doing math, find pal. out a bit. Yeah. You can't. Jay Norvell didn't understand the Barbie movie. Uh, okay. Like, what are these signs, man? Fart Collins. Th- this is. Uh, a disappointing it, showing. You finally get game day in Boulder. It's a disappointing showing. I'll say. Yeah. I still think that the, the game day crowd doesn't. Way into my pick here. I'm rolling with Dion this week. I know you want to get your money back, but I'm rolling with Dion this well, week. Well, it, it sucks for me because I bet Colorado State, I thought the number got a little nuts when so it was 23 I. and yeah. a half. I still think it's a nuts number, and if Jay Norvell could keep his mouth closed, yeah, I would be all over Colorado State today. I was fully prepared for the Fibonacci approach to just keep doubling my money up and, and bet against Colorado till I made it back, but... I don't think you're getting your money back this week, pal. I pressed the button because the number is crazy. Colorado, at three and a half scores over anybody, we're losing it. But then Jay Norvell hits me with a brick, and I'm screwed. I'm going to be left holding the back. All right, so the rest of the season, after Colorado State, as Colorado enters Big 12 or uh, Pac-12 play, soon to be Big 12 play, uh, as they enter Pac-12 play here, they go at Oregon versus USC. You also have games at UCLA versus Oregon State, at Washington State, at Utah. Again, there's eight teams in the top 24 in the Pac-12, and you get six of them on your schedule. <laughs> does Colorado, though, does Colorado take down a top 25 team this year? No. You don't think so? No Not shot. one? No chance. No. I'm giving you over under a half. No, under. You're taking the under. Yeah, under. I would take the over on that. I think they get raced by all of those teams. Raced? Yeah. Oregon, the look-ahead line on Oregon's like 15 and a half. It, it, on gonna... the road at Oregon. But what what happens when you play, if UCLA's still in the top 25? Will UCLA still be in the top 25? We'll see. That's the problem. Like, eight in the top 25 right now is great, but they do have to start playing conference games, and they're going to eat each other alive a little bit. I think it's the best conference in America mm-hmm. after two oh, weeks. no doubt about it, yeah. Uh, but that's part and of... Colorado's part of the reason why it is, because they've overachieved. They've overachieved. They've overachieved. They've overachieved. You cannot take that away from them. They've overachieved, but I think you and I both know they're not on the level of the other seven ranked teams. They're not. They're not, from a talent perspective... 
But I'm starting to buy into like the culture of it all and having the right people going to battle every single game. Like you can win, I think, with some of these three stars and with some of the coaches that they have on the staff. I think you can when you're playing. Like I was wrong when about Nebraska. I think you can win when you're playing Nebraska, who apparently just is awful. Jeff Sims, the worst quarterback that I've ever seen in my life. I think you can when it's TCU, who I've told you all season. And watch out today when they play Houston. I've told you all offseason, TCU is a car crash in slow motion. Like, when you're playing those teams, I agree. I think that the culture can overcome. But when you're rocking with five FCS-level offensive linemen and you go to Oregon State, you, when you got to play the, the Corvallis Beavers or you got to play Oregon or you got to line up against Utah or, forgive me, I know we hate how USC tackles, you still have Bear Alexander on the front. Mm-hmm. When you're lining up FCS-caliber offensive linemen against that I do think the culture will only take you so far. Even if Colorado loses to Oregon, all likelihood they will next week, that USC-Colorado game in Boulder is going to be one of the most hyped-up yeah. college football games we've seen in years. That'll be, that'll be uh, maybe the highest-rated game of the season. Yep. All right, when we come back, we will look at the rest of the Week 3 slate. Tyler Rocky, Shane Orling, this is Chicago's College Tailgate. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's College Tailgate. Now back to the show with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's College Tailgate brought to you by Twin Peaks with you until 11 a.m. talking college football. You miss anything, check it out on the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including the ESPN Chicago app. And don't forget, every single Monday, Shay and I put out our Week in Review podcast. We recap all of the big games and stories from the week in college football. That's out for you every single Monday in your podcast feed, Chicago's College Tailgate, or on the ESPN Chicago app, wherever you get your podcast. It's also uncensored. It is. Had, you get you get uh, swearing like a sailor, Shane Norling. Had somebody at the at the bar last night, unbelievably, come up and go, I love listening to you guys on the Monday podcast. Hearing you swear makes me laugh every, every time. time. And uh, that was nice. Yeah. And Shay actually interacted with a human yesterday. Yeah, he was a good guy. He was a nice guy. Shout out to John. You know what was cool about that was it was cool that we're not just putting this podcast out into the ether for <laughs> it's nobody. It's the friends and family it's, show. It's actually being consumed by people in the world. That was very that was very nice. So let's get into some of the other big games here in week three. I want to start with this one. Uh, 11 a.m. on ESPN. LSU at Mississippi State. And LSU, coming off of a, a win last week, doesn't really tell you anything about the team, though, since it was Grambling State. You th- throw 72 on the board. But this is a team that I like LSU today, and I like LSU big today because of the fact that this team, already with a one-loss hole, and they're still in the college football playoff picture, and they know they have to win with style points. They know they're going to have to run it up on some teams. We've seen that kind of be the theme of some of these early season games where you see teams still throwing the ball even though they're up 17 points they're still throwing the ball with four or five minutes to go because they just want some style points to tack on so they look a little bit better in the eyes of all the analytics and in the eyes of the committee they're going to run it up and I think LSU this is a prime time run it up spot for the Tigers I'm a big fan of LSU big picture this season I just on the road in the conference division game you're going against Mississippi State Will Rogers, been around, experienced quarterback. It's a tough place to play, 
and I still feel like this LSU team, the passing game's just not quite there. For whatever reason, the wide receivers, some of them who I like, Malik Neighbors, can't hang on to the football a lot. Jaden Daniels, I think, still leaves a lot to be desired at times as a quarterback. Just the passing game doesn't feel like it's 100% of the way there. And until I see that, I'm not ready to lay nine and a half points with LSU going to Oxford or Stark Vegas, excuse me, Starkville. Heading to Starkville, I'm not ready to lay nine and a half points going to Mississippi State. I can't do it. Like, Mississippi State, I know what they're going to do. They're going to be strong up front. They want to run the ball. Will Rogers, kind of game manager, 17 pass attempts last week. And I just feel like they'll drag you down. They'll make this a rock fight. It's going to be a low-scoring kind of defensive battle. LSU's got to run the ball. I don't know that they're running Mississippi State out of here. I really feel like I'm on the other side of this than you. And I get LSU's got to win with style points. But I think as long as they win, it's fine. They they know the deal. You got to go undefeated in in the in the, the conference. conference. You got to win the conference title. That it doesn't matter how you do it. As long as you do that, you will make the playoff. All right, let's stick in the SEC here. South Carolina and Georgia, number one team in the country. I think Georgia at home. I'm pretty confident Georgia's going to win. Georgia will probably win by three touchdowns here. But can Spencer Rattler maybe make things interesting? He had a knack for the spectacular a couple times last year, and this is not the same Georgia team that we saw last year. They do have some of their own questions, even though they have been dominant through two games here. But could this be a game where we see Spencer Rattler maybe climb his way up some draft boards a little bit? It's been kind of about slow starts for Georgia so far this year, too. Like, the, the first halves have been slow. 17 points, I think, against Ball State. Uh, last week, they didn't cover a big spread. I don't care. Like, you don't cover big numbers. That's You're Georgia. Fine. You're yeah. never covering big numbers. But I think this is the weekend where if you haven't watched Georgia yet, I get that the schedule's not great. You're not going to see premium games. This is the one you want to tune into. Because I think this is the game where we're finally going to have some of those questions answered. Like, can you go out against a team in your conference and just run them? I want to see that. I want to see Carson Beck play really well. I want to see what the offense looks like with their new offensive coordinator against not dog bleep teams. Like today, I'm interested to watch Georgia and just see how far along they are. I think some of the questions get answered when they play South Carolina. The flip side is interesting. Like Spencer Rattler, it kind of two sides of a coin, right? Earlier this year, it felt like South Carolina was poised in a position, get a big win, keep the momentum from last year, the upset over Clemson. You have an opportunity to go out, beat North Carolina, and get started, hit the ground running. And Spencer Rattler was terrible in that game. And South Carolina, just in general, was terrible in that game. So it's kind of a moment for them to answer and be like, no, we can still be what people hoped we would be. Quick hitter on this one, more so to talk about the quarterback than anything else. Uh, Kyle McCord will be the guy moving forward for Ohio State. 2-0, 35-7 win against Youngstown State last week, but now they get Western Kentucky, a team that has had high-flying offenses in the past. Like, could this be a game where Western Kentucky really hangs around against Ohio State? Yeah, if Ohio State, man, I think they might be not good. Like, we saw Youngstown State hang around kind of deep into that game. We saw them only put up 23 against Indiana when they were favored by 30. And now you're favored by 30 again. And this Western Kentucky team, I know a lot of people don't watch them, 
but they kind of have this like weird, fun air raid offense in the mm-hmm. MAC. They play some high scoring games. They're typically like track meet style. I don't know that Ohio State just races them by thirty. Ohio State has struggled to score against bad defenses. I don't know what Ryan Day's doing with the quarterbacks. It's like we're going to play both, but then you are not really playing Devin Brown. I, I I don't know what Ohio State is, and I don't know that they deserve to be laying thirty points over anyone. So I kind of like Western Kentucky today. Um, you you mentioned it. I don't know if Ohio State is good. Who is good? Like I'm, I'm looking through it. Like it, it's I know it's of, it, it's weird, isn't it? It's kind of thin, but like it's kind of fun too with the fact that I still think some of these teams that aren't quote unquote good could beat some of these teams that we declare are good. I think Florida State we know. Florida State we know. Good. Capital G good. Mm-hmm. Georgia good. Good. Michigan good. good. Texas good. Texas is back folks. Good. Um Oklahoma, I would say capital G good. Oklahoma. I'm in on Oklahoma. Okay. Uh I I think Outside of that, like Penn State, are they working in there? I I think I don't, they look like the best team in the Big Ten so far. But I don't know if I would put them into the good category. I think they're good. I, I mean, I can't not say. I, they're I, not in the same tier as, think, those, those, think, as those other teams. Though. But I put Michigan there, and I think Penn State looks like the best team in the Big Ten so far. So I have to say Penn State's good. USC, good. With flaws, but good. Washington, I think, is good. Like yeah. Washington is one of those teams. They're, they're eighth right now. And you look at the schedule that they've played here early on, Boise State and then Tulsa. They're on the road at Michigan State today. We'll preview that game in a little bit. But like those have been absolute thumpings. And though they're like Boise State's a solid team. And and to go out and beat them fifty six to nineteen yeah. is and making a statement. How about Michael Penix? Close to nine hundred yards in two games, eight touchdowns, only one pick. I'm getting positive cash out value on my Heisman ticket. The one I would probably hit the button. <laughs> Quinn Ewers is coming for that. I would probably hit the button. He's um, got better odds than Ewers, I think, right now. But panic, panic, We'll see. Today's an interesting game for Washington. We'll talk yep. about that in a minute. Today mm-hmm. is a, I'm getting a very interesting vibe off of this, and it's not just bias. Today's a, a game I really want to watch what happens with, uh, with the Huskies. Let's make our picks and craft a parlay next. Chicago's college tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Now back to the show. Chicago's College Tailgate has it all with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Thank you to Justin Pottinger for producing today's show. Let's get to our picks here as we go to Justin Pottinger. Let me get you a quick update, though, on, on the leaderboard right now. Shay on the season, 5-6. and six. Myself, 4-7. and seven. Shay's hit both of his parlay picks, though. I've whiffed on both of mine, and yeah, the producer's good. booth has split. All right, what do we have this week, Justin? Oh, boys, boys, boys. Uh, let's start. How about... Uh, Speaking to the mic, Justin. Speaking to the mic. My bad, my bad. How about Washington minus 16.5 today versus Michigan State at Michigan State? I'll let you start. Do you want me to go first? You go first here. This line earlier in the week was 13. 13 and a half at one point, And then Sunday morning, Mel Tucker was pleasuring himself into a telephone with a university vendor who, spoiler alert, is also a sexual uh, assault activist. Not a very smart guy. He's been since suspended without pay. Here's the thing. 
How is a bad head coach worth three and a half points? He literally sucks at coaching football. And we're giving him three and a half to four points. Sparty. Dysfunction of the organization. I am taking Washington. I am rolling with my Michael Penix pick for Heisman. What's next, Justin? All right, guys. Number seven, Penn State is minus 14 today at Illinois. Feels like an easy play, doesn't it? Illinois sucks. Just ride with Penn State. Number looks too funny. Penn State on the road. Dude, I don't like the team. I don't like Brett Bielema as a coach, but I'm taking the Illini today. I'm with you. ILL here. I think that you're right. This feels like we may be getting a gray day down in Champaign. Like our first gray day, yep. gray uh, college football day down in Champaign. I'm, I'm going to roll with Illinois here, too. All right, guys. How about Kansas State? Minus three and a half at Mizzou. One of the weirdest looking lines that you will see all week. Mizzou blows. Ask a fan. They will tell you the quarterback stinks. The coach, Eli Drinkwitz, stinks. And he was the guy that was out there saying guys shouldn't be paid. Mm-hmm. Oh, it makes no sense. They make more than my doctor. Well, you're the coach of the team. Let's figure this out. Uh, but the line just looks too funny. Kansas State only laying three and a half. They're begging me to bet it. I'm going to go the other way. I'll take Mizzou. I'm going to maybe go the Joe route here. I am going to go public. I'm going to take Kansas State in the three and a half. Awesome, awesome. How about Minnesota today at North Carolina? North Carolina's minus seven, guys. Another one, man. It looks so easy. This North Carolina deal. I'll tell you what. They may be the most public team in the nation. Everybody loves Drake Drake May. May. Yeah. They don't look at the rest of the team or the fact that the defense sucks. And in Minnesota, everybody remembers that Nebraska game that they shouldn't have won. It all came down to the very last couple plays. But Minnesota going on the road, they'll play a little defense, getting seven. I'm a fan. I'll take the Gophers. I'm going to join you on that. I'm going to take Minnesota with the points. All right, guys, we've been talking about it all day. Colorado State at Colorado. It's minus 23 and a half. Are we putting on those Dion glasses today? I have a wager on Colorado State plus 23 and a half that I placed before Jay Norvell decided he was going to blow hot air into a microphone on the coach's show and instigate Dion Sanders. In good conscience, I cannot go against my own bet that already exists. And in Come on, fairness, head your life. Head your life. Let's go. No, man. 23 and a half is a crazy number. I'm going to make my money back at some point on this Colorado team. I'll take Colorado State today in Fart Collins. You'll have to do it against Oregon next week. I'm rolling with Colorado. All right. Who do you like for our show parlay this week? I'm going to go against a team that I have taken on hating. I'm anti-TCU. I'm going Houston plus seven and a half hosting the slow motion car crash that is the TCU Horned Frogs. They're awful. I think Houston could win this game outright. Houston plus seven and a half. I'm going to take my Syracuse Orange on the road against Purdue minus two and a half here. This line opened up as Syracuse plus three and a half. It's shifted a full touchdown, the six points the other way to Syracuse minus two and a half in West Lafayette. By the way, NBC is not getting their money's worth. Whatever they paid for these Big Ten primetime rights, they ain't getting their money's worth so far. We've talked about it. They're scamming the audience. They put the better game in the Big Ten on Peacock because they want to have everybody paying six bucks a month to subscribe to Peacock. So they put the crap game on NBC and the brand name game goes to the app. I feel bad for my buddy Noah Eagle. Feel bad for him. But he's done a good job so far with NBC. All right. To the booth. 
Who do we like for our third leg of our parlay here, Justin? Guys, I love the Gators today. Plus six and a half. It's going to be loud in the swamp, and they're going to take down Tennessee. I love the Gators today. Hey, sprinkle on that money line. All right. So we got a three-leg parlay here on FanDuel. It pays out at plus 532. Florida plus six and a half. Syracuse minus two and a half. Houston plus seven and a half. And you can throw a little 50% profit boost as well on it to get it to plus 798. That's almost eight to one right there. So go to FanDuel Sportsbook and lock that in with us. Play with us for later today. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Chicago's College Tailgate. Peggy and Dion with Shane Norling is coming up next. Chicago's College Tailgate brought to you by Twin Peaks. Shay and Tyler. Tyler. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago.